the going home talk. Uh, I'd like to say a few things and, um, and then uh, really focus on your questions and uh, what you would like to bring forward. Um, there will be a closing uh, in, in which you'll have, uh, and I'm going to talk about how we're going to do that, um, so uh, uh, at the end of, before we go on the walk-in period, so, because there'll be a little bit of preparation uh, that you can do during the walk-in period. Um, <clears throat> Our essential nature, who we truly are, is clarity, openness, spaciousness, presence, awareness. <clears throat> All these are different words that are uh, pointing to something which is life, the nature of life. It's at the center of who we are. And, and when we, and it's available to us, it's always available to us. It's, it's present uh, in, in the spaces between thought, uh, in the moments in which we're just open and attentive. When, we, when we're not um, holding, identifying with a sense of separate self, mm. And practice, so meditation practice, sitting and walking practice, can, can open us to uh, the, this, this experience. It can, invites us, uh, opens, the mind begins to quiet down, the attachment to stories around self diminish, um, we, we learn to be present in a way that is connected, holistic, um, open, and, um, and so this, as, as we deepen in practice and, and we, we continue our practice in daily life, we begin to be able to live out of this truth of, um, of, the, of our everythingness, of our everyoneness, of the allness of being. Um, and uh, and so, uh, so, in a natural way, um, we become less reactive, we become kinder, uh, kinder to ourselves, kinder to the people in our lives. So, uh, so bringing practice, a daily practice, 
into our lives is so essential. It is, if if you if you really um, have the aspiration to deepen in, um, to deepen to open, however you want to uh, image it. Um, a daily practice is so important. Uh, so, a daily practice in which you're you're sitting or walking, uh, and really coming to this awareness, re- you know, noticing the kind of uh, compulsive thinking, storytelling, you know, emotional patterns, allowing them to be known in the body as we've been practicing. Um, uh, allowing them to dissolve um, in in the stillness, in the silence, in the space of awareness. Um, having having a formal practice, a structured practice, for thirty to forty five minutes uh, once a day is really very very important and helpful. Um, it's not to, you know, then feel guilty and judge yourself if you miss the practice. That's not the point. It's, uh, it's just to nourish, nourish one's being. Uh, and and I, I would also say to be curious about practice. You know, like, read. Um, what, you know, what directions do you want to go? Uh, explore uh, the the richness of spiritual teachings is is, is wonderful, um, and um, you know I, I I think it's good to find uh, a an approach that works for you, um, but then also you know if we if we become too insular. And say, you know, okay, this, you know, it's this is the truth. This is the only way. It's just this teacher or this tradition. Um, we're fortunate in in North America that we have uh, kind of a cross pollination, a richness of of traditions. Uh, so, so that's there. I mean, it's you know, there's a pitfall of spreading yourself too thin and. You know the 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 old adage about you know you dig you can dig a hundred holes which are ten feet deep or or you know one full one hole which is you know a thousand feet deep or however it goes and and so if if we're just digging shallow little holes everywhere uh, we don't really explore deeply or you know get the fullness of a tradition. Um, but on the other hand, you know, there is much to be gained by um, learning uh, from the richness that we have. So, commitment to daily practice, staying curious and creative and engaged in that, not getting stale. Um, or stagnant or rigid about it. 
Uh, and somebody mentioned in one of our discussions, you know, it's not easy to commit to spiritual practice in a, a very consumer-oriented, uh, you know, materialistic society. Um, you know, that's, we're, we're uh, somehow the sense of, of being um, a, a person in, in, a, in a, a society where we have civic involvement has kind of shifted over the course of the last few decades to being in a society where our first, uh, our first importance seems to be as consumers to, uh, to many uh, of the powers that be uh, that reflect the nature of society back to us, the media, the government, and so on. So, so to... to uh, to live in a way which um, prioritizes uh, this this depth of spiritual life um, really requires a sense of some kind of community, the supportive community, and sangha is so important. So, you know, some of us live in places where there are groups of people who are uh, gathering to sit together to reflect together on the Dharma. Uh, some of us are more isolated and um, maybe need to travel a little bit or or connect online, find other ways of of connecting. Uh, so I encourage you to explore this if you haven't already um, and um, uh, and and it's not only to nourish yourself uh, in community, but to nourish community life, you know, spiritual community, in ways that uh, are um, enriching for you. We also, as as we participate, we really contribute a lot to the life of these communities. That's not to be discounted. You know, people often say to me, you know, when I have a little sitting group in Montreal, and say, you know, thank you, I'm so glad, so grateful this group is here every week, and I can come, and I, I say, thank you for coming and helping it to exist. <clears throat> And uh, and retreat, retreats are really um, I th- I feel a very very important part of our spiritual life. Uh, it's it's a time when we can relinquish the the busyness, the the things that preoccupy us on a daily basis. We can um, really it's. Um, uh, it's a time which is kind of sacred time, sacred space, dedicated. It's not that we want to uh, cut ourselves off, you know, because in a way we carry <coughs> our lives into retreat with us. Um, 
in a very real way. Uh, and and it, we come out of retreat a different person. We're transformed. Uh, we're, we're insights arise, things fall away, you know, whether it's something we've been carrying, a resentment, an anxiety, you know, um, uh, we can come out a lot lighter. Uh, we can come out with new tools for, um, for understanding and responding to our lives. So, uh, so retreat is really um, something that, you know, I encourage you to make a commitment to do However, you know, whatever is realistic for you, whether it's once a year or two or three times a year, but, but some with some regularity uh, to touch into retreat. And so as we, as we uh, nourish ourselves in these ways, you know, we're engaging in our lives And, and we, we can find that we're, in, we're engaging in relationships, in our work, uh, in new ways. So what does this look like? Um, you know, for me, what it looks like is uh, that, that there is a, um, a presence that... Um, that is available always, and um, and so as uh, you know, something happens in a relationship, and I I can you know feel something being activated in me, whether it's you know some old story or pattern uh, of you know. I guess I guess you really don't care, or I guess you you know, uh, I, or I'm not really welcome here, or or I'm not really valued, or whatever our story is, you know. Um, then there's a there's a, a sensitivity, there's an attunement in the body of uh, of awareness. Uh, presence with that, and so the, uh, so there's the capacity to give space to the reactivity before it discharges, and just keeps that wheel of suffering spinning. And so that that discharge can happen in that inner space of awareness, of compassion, uh, kindness. Wisdom, wisdom of knowing that it arises and passes away. It arises and passes away. That the charge comes up and very soon it, it has its diminishment and petering out. Uh, so, so giving space to that um, then allows me to you know, when that happens, to um, respond 
in a way that uh, is in alignment with, um, with love, with uh, um, an awareness that we're not really self and other. It's not really me versus you, you know. We're really connected. We really are um, not separate. So, um, so the sensitivity, the attunement, the uh, you know um, that the kindness, the love is always available. It's just that sometimes anger gets in the way or jealousy gets in the way or sense of self around, you know, grasping you have what I want gets in the way. And so as we as we come to recognize the dynamics of those, you know, and uh, and and skillfully <coughs> just allow it to discharge, to, to move through us um, more and more of those capacities shine through. So um, so I think I'll stop talking and maybe uh, just open to your comments, your your questions about practice in daily life. How do we bring our how do we bring the practice into our relationships, our work, our our parenting, our caring for our parents, perhaps, or um, well, all the different things that we're doing in the world. Any questions? Any comments? So a comment about our society. Um, you mentioned consumer society. Um, I have a science background, so this is a bit nerdish, but um, E is equal to MC squared. Right? So energy, which is the unseen universe, is equal to M material, mass, the material universe times a constant. So it's actually an equal sign in there. Right? So energy and matter are the same thing. So my observation, for what it's worth, is that in our society all of our effort and technology has been focused on the M side, the material side of the equation. And there are other societies that um, you can study with um, where for several thousand years they've been focused on the east side of the population. So their technology, their science if you like, is studying the, the unseen world, the, the yeah, the unseen world as opposed to the material world. And I think it's important probably that we as a society try and redress that balance. Mm-hmm. And, put a little more 
activity and effort into the east side of the equation. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, very beautifully put. Um, I uh, it reminds me of a poem. <laughs> things off. What? Love your poems. Oh, they great! Life to the teachings. Great, yeah. I I love poems too. Um, this one is by Adya Shanti, who is a non-dual teacher. Uh, he's a contemporary teacher. Uh, some of you may know him. What we see is not the most important. Could dust rise without the invisible hand of the wind? Could a fan turn without any current? Could lungs breathe without breath? Tell me, what is the shape of love? How much does joy weigh when held in the palm of your hand? Can you catch the spirit of life in a jar? All things seen depend upon the unseen. All sounds depend upon silence. All things felt depend upon what is not felt. Einstein said, that which counts can never always be counted. Any other uh, questions or comments? All are welcome. I think it's Thursday night you mentioned you were not using the word the word mindfulness as much anymore. Why is that? Dualism. No, I didn't say that. I said I said I'm not so much talking about non duality in the teaching. But mindfulness, I use that word a lot. It's a very, very important practice. Oh, uh, to follow up on that, uh, you said you use other words instead of non-dualism. What are some of those other words? Yeah. Um, I use uh, words such as uh, open awareness, um, emptiness, um, uh, the it's just because non non dualism seems to connect to a particular tradition and i and it's not so much used in the buddhist world and you know i i have nothing against the word, the expression at all but just in in the way that i label my teaching i'm not so much using it because I really feel very deeply connected to the the Buddhist roots of you know my training and and practice and teaching. So it's, it's it 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 feels a bit kind of off the mark because I'm really teaching in that stream. Could you tell us more about your teacher? You mentioned him, and I'm sorry I didn't hear. My teacher? Yes. Yeah, his name is Matthew Flickstein. And um, so uh, so Matthew um, 
this is an interesting story. He uh, he was living a, a very secular. He wasn't life. He wasn't particularly uh, spiritually oriented at all. Um, uh, and uh, he had a spontaneous awakening um, experience. He was driving on the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> and uh, and he uh, and he realized, as he expressed it, "Who I am has never been born and will never die." It was profound and shattering experience for him because he had no context in which to understand it. And so he went, he went around to some different religious people. He went to a rabbi, he went to a priest. Uh, they thought he was crazy, literally. Uh, he was, and finally he, he met a, a Zen Roshi who helped him to um, you know, understand and helped him to realize that he had to uh, now practice to, um, to really integrate and, 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 and bring that uh, experience into his life. Um, and, um, and so, uh, so he soon found a teacher, Bhante Gunaratana, who he practiced with for 30 years. He was, you know, just always with him. He, he briefly ordained as a monk, but he, had, he was already married and had two children, you know, and he realized that, that this was not his way. But there was, you know, a lot of expectation uh, in, the, in the context in which he was practicing that, that ordaining as a monk was you know, the best way to, to practice. And, and he, he realized for himself that, that it was not his way. And, um, and so uh, he, he eventually began teaching uh, in the Theravada tradition. And his teaching has evolved a lot over the years. Uh, and so he, uh, it's not that he um, rejects the Theravada, but he in- includes, includes other, st- other streams in his teaching, yeah. And he has, you know, I, I connected with him uh, 14 years ago because I was looking for a mentor. Um, as, as a university chaplain, I was teaching meditation, and I felt I needed to be uh, connected with a teacher. And, um, uh, and, and uh, you know, so I began, then I began practicing with him, and he's always included a, a lot of teacher training in his, uh, in his offerings. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know if you want the question to specifically relate to daily practice and whether... Sure, sure. Oh, oh, okay, whatever. All right? Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I guess I've always felt comfortable with, with Buddhism is you can be an atheist and still, you know, practice. That 
belief isn't beyond your own experience, isn't really demanded or required. And I've always found that consoling. Um, but sometimes with the non-duality, when, when you get into language about absolutes and sort of greater um, entities, I, I kind of feel like I'm rubbing up against uh, you know, God and uh, religion. And it's not feel very comfortable with that. Yeah. I'm not sure whether there's anything I can do about that, <laughs> or just be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, atheism is a belief uh, in the same way as theism is a belief. Um, and, uh, and so, um, you know, one of the things that the Buddha said, you know, there were uh, a number of things that the Buddha said, you know, need to be relinquished, you know. Um, so, holding to sensual desires, grasping, uh, belief in self, um, and, uh, and, and one of them is uh, views, views, opinions holding on to views, opinions, about, um, about anything, you know. So this is the, the attitude of not knowing. Um, and, uh, and so, um, you know, I don't, I don't believe in uh, God in the way that, you know, if I go into a church, that that God is expressed, you know, that somehow God is out there and, uh, um, and that I need to, somehow I need to be saved, you know, from hell or any of that. You know, that's not, that doesn't, I mean, I... Um, that that feels to me to be uh, you know very uh, like a story, a story. You know, it's like it's like a myth, and you know, so maybe these myths have hold something, but they're not to be believed in in any um, rigid way. Uh, but. Um, or and rather than but uh, there is an openness to um, an experience of the of the the divinity the the um, uh, the allness of beingness that can be known uh, through the human being um, can be known in in awareness. Um, there is an openness to life. There is an openness to experience. So, so you know, if if we hold to a belief, then that means that you know, well, there's no exploration, 
you know, at least of spiritual traditions and what deeper truths they're offering. So, so you know, the the Buddha said in one of the the most oft quoted suttas, the Kalama Sutta, said, "Don't believe because I tell you, or because you read something, or because of hearsay." You know, look to your experience. And so if you're saying, you know, I don't believe in anything which is not material, um, not anything that can't be seen or touched or, you know, in some way known through the senses, uh, then you're closing the door to a lot of experience. So, yeah, so I mean, you know, certain, certain teaching may make, may make you uncomfortable and, and, it may, and it may kind of pass you by. And, you know, we, we are, we're each, you know, this is, it's, it's been called the pathless path. You know, it's, it's not a path. It's not one path. There's not, you know, one dharma that, you know, it's not like, you know, we recite the, the creed or something in church, you know, I believe, da-da-da-da-da-da. It's, it's, it's an unfolding within this being. And, and each one of us is, you know, a dharma of liberation unfolding in a unique way. Um, I, some of what you said uh, sparked some thoughts that I thought might be worth sharing. Um, it, it occurs to me that the way that we think of God, if if we use that the word God, we can also get caught up in a story. So. You can focus on this social construct of God as it is organized by certain religions, or you can recognize the spirituality in life, not call it God, but recognize the spirituality in life, and something somehow created what we know to be our reality. Call it God, call it something else. It doesn't have to be connected to a belief in God, but it can be connected to the sense and essence of life and whatever that means, whatever story, whatever that means. And the story doesn't have to be fixed. And the journey is is understanding the impermanence of that story or the, the changing nature of our understanding. Um, so that's just what struck me when, when both of you made your comments. Um, so uh, um, I, I think it's important to to honor uh, what that all means for for each of us. And um, the other thing I was going to say is um, one of the things that became really important for me as, as a therapist is is uh, as a therapist, my practice really 
dramatically shifted uh, when I became uh, aware of mindfulness and mindfulness ideas. And I haven't been on a spiritual path. I've been more trained clinically. Um, so I understand that very well. So the spiritual path is, you know, understanding teaches, teaching and dharma is very new for me in some ways. But um, Saki Centarelli used a word that I think was very profound, and for me anyways, it's, it's this contact, 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 not only being present with people, but non-hierarchical. You know, not uh, recognizing how we can get caught up in power dynamics and how that keeps us separate and not available and non-seeing. So one of the primary things that I've tried to um, embody, emulate, understand, reflect in the work I do with people is is non-hierarchical. You know, being present, being a listener, and journeying. And I always talk about this concept of journeying together. And, uh, you know, I may have some knowledge and some skills that might be helpful, but the other person brings who they are, and I bring who I am, and we journey together. So that was one of the most for me, very profound shift, shifting, and uh, so I continue that journey. So. Thank you. Good. Uh, we've sort of been talking a lot about uh, the practice of mindfulness, and one of the things I've sort of learned along the way that it's only one direction in a multi-direction process, the other being um, uh, contemplation. Uh, and I was wondering if you could speak to uh, fostering a daily practice of contemplation. Um, you know, something that, like, for instance, a 30-minute period of time or a 20-minute period of time that can complement a meditation process. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in, in Buddhist practice, um, meditation is a, an emptying or an empty kind of we're not, we're not, um, we're not bringing something in to reflect on it. Uh, we're 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 seeing, um, we're we're present with experience and seeing the impermanent nature of it, the unfulfilling or unreliable nature of it, and the selfless nature of it. So that's that's mindfulness practice, and and in contemplation. You know, there are many, many ways that we can bring in um, teaching or reflection uh, to uh, to kind of um, uh, nourish and um, and and develop our being. So we might contemplate something such as uh, forgiveness and. Um, uh, you know, and reflect on, you know, it, are there uh, are there resentments I'm still holding in my life? Because forgiveness is a is something that um, is really key in spiritual practice. Uh, if we're holding resentments, um, you know, people can hold resentments all their lives, you know, about things that happened. Uh, and uh, and 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 they keep being kind of pulled back into 
that sense of self, because when we're holding resentment, it's self-other, right? So, um, so this, you know, forgiveness, uh, not necessarily reconciling. I always distinguish between forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation is when uh, someone acknowledges that they've harmed you. Um, forgiveness is letting go of resentment. Um, and um, so sometimes we can have forgiveness without reconciliation. It's beautiful when we can have reconciliation and there's an acknowledgement of the harm that was done. Um, something like gratitude is a one beautiful there's um, there's a wonderful website on gratitude by brother David Stendhal Rast called gratefulness.org and uh, has so many different ways of contemplating gratitude and it just becomes something that can you know it can be a a daily contemplation, it can permeate our lives. And just gratitude brings us into presence. It brings us into a sense of contentment, of non-grasping. You know, it's, it's a beautiful practice. Uh, generosity. And Janet spoke about generosity. Uh, and just contemplating how generosity just brings uh, trust and fearlessness, you know, that uh, I have enough. I can share what I have. Um, I want to support the good in the world. I want to support someone who needs my support. It's an expression of love, uh, trust. Um, so uh, the contemplation on ethical life, you know, living ethically. So there's like there's a so so much richness in terms of contemplation, and you know, we can also read some of the discourses of the Buddha um, and, uh, and, and, and find something that kind of speaks to the heart and allow that to just resonate. Or another spiritual teacher, you know, you know there have been many, many awakened spiritual teachers who have written, uh, and so we can, we can find a text that's really uh, enriching for us and and just sit with it and read, you know, either before or after we, we uh, do our meditation or at some other time in the day and, and just read a chapter and let that be a practice. So, you know, it's, it's really, uh, it's, I think it's really important that we keep nourishing ourselves with, you know, different ways of, you know, contemplation is, is is uh, key in that. Yeah, thank you very much for that. That was, uh, was really good. Um, the reason why I was asking is because we started talking about like, you know, dissolving the ego and how do you do that in a world that's very um, sort of centered around the ego. And if you're going from, you know, I am this, you've been taught all the like that I am this, or I am this, and this. If you dissolve that, then what am I, right? Mm -hmm. But in that process of that, having something to bolster that process so that you don't fall apart while you're doing that. Yeah. Um, sort of just turning to, well, dissolving the idea of all these sort of long-standing ideas without completely abandoning yourself to be a very alarming experience. So that's, thank you for, for that. Yeah. So, so there is, 
you know, there is spiritual development. You know, so I, I, I didn't go into it in depth, but I, 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 I alluded to it when I talked about, you know, this distinction between skillful and unskillful, that, that when we're skillful, we're in alignment with the truth. We're in alignment, you know, when, when, there's, when there's the development of generosity, you know, we're in alignment with non-separation, with unity of life. When, you know, there's love, when there's gratitude, you know, we, when you know, we see the mutuality and the ways in which uh, life is, you know, we're mutually intertwined and interdependent. Um, so, um, so, th- so these, these spiritual developments are very important. Uh, and, and seeing that when we are, um, when we're, you know, kind of just caught up in self-absorption, you know, getting stuff for ourselves or getting a name for ourselves, recognition or, or, you know, um, acting out anger or aggression, you know, that these are, these are, uh, out of alignment with the truth of, you know, uh, with reality. The, the, the wheel off, being off balance, um, sort of the, the grinding of the, the sort of the ball joint. Yeah, the field yeah, play, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. Do, do you have specific, you know, I'd love some guidance, I don't know, you know, in terms of, I wouldn't even know where to start, you know, like, do you have some specific guidance about who might be good to read, uh, specific teachers to mm-hmm. look for, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all new for me. Yeah. Um, well, in the in the insight meditation tradition, you know, um, Joseph Goldstein is uh, a wonderful teacher. I think he's one of the um, most profound teachers out there. Um, um, and Jack Cornfield, and you know, there's a beautiful book called *The Path with Heart*. Um, uh, so then, you know, there are there are other teachers, which you know, uh, a non-dual. Teacher is Adyashanti, who uh, who I just read that poem. I find him very profound. Um, he's a kind of a modern non-dual teacher, and uh, he's in the stream of uh, Ramana Maharshi, um, who is from India, and he's uh, in the more Advaita Vedanta tradition. Um, Could you spell that? What's, what's, what's Adva- Advaita Vedanta? No, oh, Ramana Maharshi? Could you spell both no, of the names? No, the one before that. Adya. Adya. Oh, Adya Shanti. How do you spell it? A-D-Y-A-S-H-A-N-T-I. A-D-Y-A. A-D-Y-A-S-H-A-N-T-I. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Lucille Francis is a wonderful... Uh, sorry, 
Francis Lucille. <laughs> Man, Francis Lucille is a wonderful teacher as well in the non-dual tradition. Um, Where's Thich Nhat Hanh today? I, I he's, just started uh, to he's get He's kind of Zen and Vipassana. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. He's kind of yeah. combines the two streams. He's also he's a beautiful, you I'm know, his his teaching yeah. is it seems so simple and it's so profound. It's it's yeah. it is simple and it's also very very profound. Um, Janet, we have uh, on our website we have a resources page which has a list of recommended readings, okay. mainly Buddhist, I think. And uh, there's also Dharma Seed, which is a website that has thousands of Dharma talks. And if you go to the audio page of our website, you can link, you can not only see the Dharma talks from our retreats, but it will link to our page on Dharma Seed, and then you can see access any Dharma Seed. Dharma Seed. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Daryl, when you're talking about people who are non-dual teachers or writers or the non-dual tradition, what are you referring to? Uh, there's a, an approach which is, um, you know, uh, starts with. Uh, You know, by the affirmation or the, um, the recognition that uh, that we are already everything, uh, that we are already free, that we are uh, that 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 this this open awareness is present, and um, and that um, we are. We are. There is no real separation. Uh, there is no. There is no uh, self, and that. And that. So you know, we just really need to relinquish to, to, uh, to see through the stories that hold us in the illusion of self. So how do you distinguish that from vipassana or insight? Well, insight, like that, it does. It. It's the it's the distinction really between the the uh, sort of what's called the the gradual path, a gradual path, and and a sudden path. That's the basic distinction. Um, a gradual path will say, you know, um, so okay, so first establish some concentration, you know, so so sit, follow the breath. Let the mind become calm, and then you know develop mindfulness, develop a mindful practice, and is not necessarily pointing to the ultimate reality. Whereas a the sudden school of enlightenment will, or whatever it's called, but that just basically that you know the non-dual. You know, so Dzogchen is in there. You know, the Dzogchen Tibetan Buddhist tradition, and, um, and the Advaita Vedanta. And, you know, they're I mean, roughly in the same kind of circle. And they'll say, you know, this is the this is the truth of who you really are, of what life is, uh, and realize it. And they won't necessarily tell you. 
you know, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this. So, so the weakness, the strength is that you know, you know, you, you, you understand, at least conceptually, uh, that what, where you're going, or what's to be understood, you, you have a, you have a pointer, clear pointer, uh, but you're not always, it's not always explained very, in, in much detail, what to do, you're kind of dropped in the deep end of the pool, you know, and um, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes there's not that much, you know, so it, it may emphasize, like traditionally, it may emphasize working closely with an, a teacher, like in the Zen tradition, you know, that there was a, uh, it, it grew up with a, it, it developed with this sense of, you know, when you go, you live in, you know, a place with a, a Zen master or, you know, some kind of master or, you know, accomplished being and you, you know, you dedicate your life to knowing that. And, you know, the, the, gr- the gradual path may, say, develop concentration, you know, they, there may be an idea of the ultimate goal, but sometimes sort of peop- a lot of people run out of steam somewhere along the way and really get into, you know, the development of concentration or, you know, um, and it becomes an end in itself. You know that. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so you know, one of the things the Buddha said not to get attached to is rites and rituals. You know, I was yeah. talking about about uh, what like opinions. Another thing is don't get attached to rites and rituals, and you can see a lot of attachment to rites and rituals. I mean, yeah. So, would a teacher that is described as being non-dual, identify as being non-dual, or is it that others are identifying them as part of this? Uh, I don't think it's a, you know, anything really clear, because uh, there may be a teacher who says they're non-dual, but maybe they've built a whole little system around them that kind of get, has gotten bogged down in rites and rituals or, you know, of some form, whereas, you know, other teachers who may be in a, a stream, I, I, I know, certainly, teachers who are in the Theravada stream, which is a gradual path, that are teaching, you know, um, directly. They have a very direct way of teaching. So, um, and they're pointing very directly to ultimate truth. So, so at least they will to the student who's ready to hear. So, uh, so I don't think there's a necessarily a school of non dualism. Well, there is. <laughs> there is. What do they call themselves? <laughs> school of non dualism. Yeah, I mean there. You, there you are, said it wasn't it, Buddhist. So what is it? <laughs> Yeah, so I, um, uh, Buddhism is a non-dual tradition. I mean, the Buddha taught, you know, he taught it uh, non-self, no self, you know, and, and he taught, uh, and, and, and in all of the Buddhist traditions, there are um, teachers who are, 
teaching enlightenment. And there are also teachers who will say, as I have been told, oh, don't think about enlightenment. You know, just, you know, that may be in your next birth. You know, a monk. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so you know, it's, you just, uh, you just need to um, explore, I think. You mentioned Adya Shamsi and Francis Lucia. Um, They're not Buddhist. Sorry. Although, although Adya Shanti would probably, I don't know if he would call himself not Buddhist, but his training was in the Zen tradition. But he's in, not in what? Zen. In those? In Zen. Those Zen. 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 Just Zen. Yeah, we're going to have to close this. <laughs> Can I ask a, a very quick question? I think I self-identified as a graduate. It helped me in that way. Where you took me or took us and you're asking my questions, great. But I guess I don't see it as if, you know, if you don't believe in ultimate truth, you're a materialist. Because the thing with spirituality is I, can, I read something the other day about Love, um, the after, brief being the aftermath of love. And I certainly thought of my parents, and that was very meaningful to me. And I value friendship, and I, you know, honesty, and all these things. Um, but I guess I'm, I, I haven't encountered, or um, yeah, have, have no experience with the, right. any kind of ultimate truth. And I, I'm not, I, you know, I guess in this time, I'm not really asking for your permission to carry on as a graduate. Oh, yeah. I guess I would. Um, yeah. I, I think we have to be, you know, really authentic and and true to ourselves. And and I mean, as a person who values friendship and love, that's really wonderful, you know. Uh, and and cultivating those qualities and um, and I think those are. Uh, you know those qualities of, of of love, you know, kindness, generosity. Those are all qualities that really bring us more and more into alignment with truth, the truth of our interconnectedness, of our non-separation. Thank you. Yeah. One thing I'll remember from this retreat is what you said earlier. And that is, sort of to paraphrase, love and kindness are just around the corner, mm-hmm. but our stories are getting in the way. As some, as a recent, uh, as somebody who's engaged Buddhism in my 80th year, read all I'm trying to do is be a better person, mm-hmm. and so that has a very practical resonance. They're just out there. Don't let my story get in the way. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so, um, uh. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.